another episode of Wanderings and Wool Gathering. Here's Foggy. Welcome to Wanderings and Wool Gathering, episode 29. The episode where we cooperate with our angels and the ascended masters. We trust in what they're doing for us and align ourselves through faith with their divine intentions. I pass like night from land to land. I have strange power of speech, that moment that is face I see. I know the man that must hear me. To him, my tale I teach. That was Sammy T.C., and like him, we'll be sharing some divine intentions. I'm your host, your, your host. I'm your host, everyone, or your yeah. host, Foggy. And with me, as always, are JPP. Howdy, howdy. And Teabags. Teabags. Too hot for TV. Yeah. <laughs> I, f- I forget every time, and I love it. It's like I'm like a goldfish. <laughs> you have been gone for a while. You're back from assignment. Uh, yeah. You want to tell us what happened on assignment? I can't speak of it. Ooh. Yes. It's like band Sorry. camp or fight club. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Exactly. <laughs> There was a young priest and an old priest. That's all we can tell you. Sing. <laughs> uh, absent this week is Metalhead Monday, but he will be joining us via some space age technology. So he is on assignment this week, and he'll be back next week. That's right. That's right. All right. So we've uh, had had some adventures and fun the past couple of weeks. It seems like I, I wanted to share a couple of quick things before we got started. I will be mm-hmm. brief. Um, first off, bubble wrap. Isn't that great? Don't you love it? It's one of my favorite things. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I befriended a guy a while back. I say befriended more like harass him, you know, with commentary on his posts occasionally, but I met him in 95. Um, it's a nice little show at uh, Deer Creek. It was, uh, Fear Factory, Flotsam and Jetsam, uh, Megadeth and Corn. And corn uh, opened up for Megadeth. They were like the, the next to last on the headliner there. But uh, we, Monday and I were actually in the lower pavilion, like row G or M or something like that. And um, Fear Factory was playing. And it was back when a lot of people didn't show up for some of the openers. So it was pretty sparse. And we're kind of singing along with the band. And Dino and, and Christian, the bass player, like waving us, hey, come up, come on up. So we walked on up there and was second row getting water splashed on us and, you know, enjoying the show. And they came down and gave us high fives after the set. And what's funny is while Monday and I were enjoying Flotsam and Zetsam, uh, Christian, the bass player, came out with stickers and gave them to us and came and talked to us for a few minutes. So that was awesome. And um, I follow him on Instagram and he was selling a a special bundle that uh, I bought off of him and it came today in the mail. So I got a little signed glossy. He personalized it. Um, An album he played guitar on called Archetype from Fear Factory. I got that as well. Oops, I uh, hit the sampler with it, but uh, that's cool. (laughs) We'll give an album album review view for that someday maybe. But um, what's cool is I couldn't find this on streaming anywhere. So it's nice to get a hard copy of that. Um, he gave me uh, a Lamb of God sticker that shows that they were on tour with them. Uh, strings, Fear Factory stickers, tons of picks, including Power Flow, which he's a part of now too. So shout out to Christian. Thanks for the bundle, man. I'll definitely enjoy the CD and, and some of these wares. And he also gave me a set of his uh, signature guitar strings. They are um, 10s to 52, so they're kind of heavy for drop. I look forward to some low sludgy goodness with that. So, hey, that's all I wanted to tell you on, on that bit. Also, um, before we started taping, 
I found a Rolling Stone article that uh, popped up in my feed earlier. Have you, either of you heard, oh, you remember the show SCV in the 80s, the sketch comedy show with Canadians? Oh, love yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. One of my faves, you know, John Candy and mm-hmm. Martin Short and all those guys. Eugene Levy, you can't go wrong. Well, what's funny is um, there was a show they did that was kind of like a hipster band show and they'd have musical guests and that kind of stuff. Well, apparently <laughs> there was a questionnaire of the best punk band in the world and you would have thought you got the Misfits or uh, Sex Pistols and we were wrong. It said basically there's a band called the Queen Haters that got the top nod. And it was actually a band on SCTV that was Martin Short on vocals. And uh, John Candy was bald and playing drums very stoically. He didn't blink or move a muscle. And uh, their their, uh, song was called We Hate the Queen. And uh, it's hilarious. And Martin's dancing around shouting about how he'd like to punch her in the eye. And sorry, Lady Di, you have such a pain in the ass for a mother-in-law. And, you know, of course, it's complete parody. But I listened to it, and it's actually a a decent little punk song. And apparently it got some rotation. (laughs) So I'll put a link to that in the show notes. And uh, you guys definitely have to check it out. Because uh, once I read the backstory on it, I'm like, man, I'm sold. I'll have to check it out. It's fun. (laughs) Very cool. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I... Uh, I'll listen to that for sure. <laughs> Definitely. It's fun stuff. Sounds fun. Cool. Anything to add, uh, T-Bags, before we get rolling? No, I'm like uh, streamlined tonight. Maybe it's because I'm up in this hot attic or whatever, but I'm just <laughs> like, let's just, let's just get moving. Let's talk as slow as possible, Steve. It's our <laughs> first four-hour episode. Best <laughs> ever. Goodbye. <laughs> I'm going to read the phone book later. That's right. I'm going to filibuster this monkey. Have you seen how thin the the phone books are, though, now? They don't even have them anymore. Yeah, I got got one on my doorstep the other day. Yeah. It's like, it's about the size of like a Cosmopolitan magazine now. Yeah, I'm like, sweet. I can roll it up. Flice water. Yeah. (laughs) So funny. All right. Well, before we get to the weekly challenge, we have our new challenge and this one is issued by metalhead monday um and for those of you who are new or maybe just missed a week or two uh basically we're pulling a review or some little uh segment um out of a magazine or a blog that talks about a particular album or a performance we're going to remove the 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 band or the person involved and see if we can figure out who they're talking about so what does metalhead have in store for us. Let me flip the switch here. We'll get it going. Deborah Frost from Entertainment Weekly said, nah, 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 a, nah, nah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> with a real point of view, this band could be bigger than an accident. That was a little harsh. Ouch. Um, Will Levitt from diffuser.com in 2013 said they found a happy medium between metal punk and acoustic rock and because they knew how to write good songs they found a mainstream radio and mtv audience william goodman from billboard.com in 2017 said it's a young band playing with their favorite sounds, knowing their hero, or I'm sorry, honoring their heroes and trying to find their place in a musical landscape monopolized by the grunge rock big four. 
and despite their naysayers, when the story of the 1990s is told decades or centuries from now, the music of blank will be one of the stars of its soundtrack. Huh. 2013, they found their audience, but they were in the 90s. Well, what happened was he couldn't find, um, I, I didn't get to put that piece in there, but he couldn't find uh, a contemporary review of that time. So these are kind of some retrospective pieces of commentary. Yeah. Um, also, too, uh, I don't think it was in this segment. I couldn't hear it because I had to switch it over for you guys to hear. But this album ranked like 892 or 893 out of 1,000, uh, you know, all-time albums. Hmm. So um, that one that said in, two, in 2013, that was a quote from 2013? Not talking about an album that came out in 2013. Correct. It's a it's a okay. retrospective quote of of that album from okay. the 90s. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I've got a guess. I think. Okay. Well, it said by accident, so I think that's like people coming together. It said grunge and 90s and rock and acoustic. So I'm gonna say Temple of the Dog. Hmm. Interesting. I think that would rank higher. I think people would rank of that all time or, of all time. 894 out of a thousand 892 or 893 yeah something like that so um well it was bigger than an accident so that was supposed to be a slam right yeah yeah it, there, there were some digs and i don't know i don't know that anybody really gave digs on temple of the dog did they i mean it was certainly um it, it got a lot of nods for you know kind of paying tribute to um, a fallen bandmate, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. So I just I didn't take it as a dig. I thought it meant like they came together accidentally because of circumstance. I gotcha. Um, well, I took and it they as were bigger than that. But yeah, now I'm yeah. hearing it as a dig. If now they had because... a point of view, they'd be bigger than an accident. Hmm. Is that what it said? And that would yeah, I had it said something like that. Something yeah, okay. to that effect. Yeah, I think it's the group Paw. What do you guys think? Wow, I hadn't heard that name in a long time. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, I dug into the well for that one. Right, I can't but, remember. But, who I guessed. Gosh, I wish it there says, was. It says that like they'll be remembered, right? Like when you with the big four or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so it's somebody, somebody big. I, well, I, I, I yeah, because so I, I guessed four. Melvin's, but it was like Melvin's had been kind of a, around a little longer than than when this came out. So you know they had a chance to establish themselves in the underground. So. What about Radiohead? I, I can see that being a, a good guess too. You guys just want the answer? Do you have any more guesses, Steve? I'm out. I'm trying to think. So, are we assuming that the big four is Pearl Jam, Nirvana, Soundgarden, and Allison Chains? Allison Chains. If they're talking about grunge, I would think that would be the four. Yeah, yeah, because I thought it was Allison Chains too. Um, but you know, I kind of felt like they would rank way, way higher than than you know, nineties. Right. Hmm. Yeah, I I don't have a guess. I wish there would have been a few more lines that could have tipped us. Yeah. Yep. But all right, that's the way this challenge goes, right? Yeah. Let's do the reveal. All right. All right. So all of that was to an attempt to lead you to the answer of Stone Temple Pilots' first album, Core. <laughs> that acts, that makes sense. Deborah Frost yes. from Entertainment Weekly said, 
Oops, there we go. All right, sorry. It started over on me. But uh, yeah, that uh, Stone Temple Pilots, you know. And it w- what kind of blew me away was, you know, you got sex type thing, plush, uh, dead and bloated. The stuff's yeah. already, you know, and we even talked about it when we were recording that, that, you know, those things are still on rotation on classic radio now. Gosh, I feel old. It's classic rock radio. But, right. uh, you know, 10 years ago when I was doing sound system installs, the X was blasting them like they were still, you know, the top 40 singles so you know it's just like man to rank 892 or 893 whatever that was is uh uh-huh. kind of mind-boggling to me but then again there's also a lot of music out there that i'm just yeah. not connected to so yeah well that was a good one yeah i'm mad at myself now yeah and he, he said that he chose that one because of uh, the way the versus review was positioned and it he wanted to kind of play off that it had some similarities to you know the yeah. kind of the, the response uh to the, mm-hmm. to the release essentially so very cool good good job metalhead thank you for that um i hope you're enjoying your rest before you take flight wherever you may go and may your arms not get tired but i hear a photoshop <laughs> challenge in there yeah that's right <laughs> the flying metalhead. Ooh. Awesome. All right. Well, that brings us to the actual challenge of the week issued by Teabags. You want to remind us? Yeah, I might have to remind myself too. Um, <laughs> I think it was basically like um, a band that you, an album that already exists that you wish you could sit in on the production process that you could have been there to see how it was made. Um, and then a band that you'd like to see make their next, that you'd like to be in, uh, like a fly on the wall on their next process of making an album. And I yes. did, ex- I did extend that to like, if you were a Doors fan and we could suspend reality and think they'd make another one with Morrison, like if he's alive. But right. Um. So yeah, does that sound right, Steve? Because <laughs> I sent it to you. Yeah, it was exactly right. Yeah, I was okay. gonna go back to my uh, text and read it out, but um, you nailed it. Yeah. Okay. Cool. All right, so and it was a uh, yeah, just those two albums. So and I don't even I didn't even cheat. So which of you two guys I know want to go first? Cool. Paul, you want to take over? Yeah, yeah. Um, so Metalhead Monday gave me an answer. I'm going to put that on the Facebook page as a separate post for people just to kind of listen to his two cents on it. But uh, he and I had a good chat on that matter. It was fun. So for me, <clears throat> excuse me. If I could be a fly on the wall in the past of, on the making of an album, one band that I would like to go see, I, I would I would choose Metallica. You know me, I, lo- I love talking about Metallica recording, but they post everything online. You can see the behind the scenes and all that kind of stuff on YouTube and through VHS and DVDs of the past. And it's fun. It's great to watch. But one band in particular that really intrigued me with their release is a group that you may or may not have heard of uh, called Nail Bomb. It is um, Alex Newport from Fudge Tunnel, Max Cavalera from Sepultura. They brought in Reese Fulber from Frontline Assembly, um, some guys from Neurosis. I mean, there's a, a huge team of people. Um, I don't know who all was in the studio, but I know at least live they had Reese Fulber and, and a bass player from Neurosis. But uh-huh. um, I, I believe it was the bass player. Don't hold me to it. But basically, it's kind of a thrash, punk, industrial album. It's great. It's raw, but it sounds good. There's some killer little loops going on. There's, um, and they just kind of do keyboard loops where you, you play a pitch and then you lower it down on the next key to kind of make it fit the rhythm and the pitch a little bit and stuff. So it's very punk rock in its approach, but it all comes together. And I was just fascinated on how 
they got it to sound so raw, but come together so nicely. I would love to have just seen that creative process because Fudge Tunnel is a different band than Sepultura and mm-hmm. they just made a nice marriage in the middle with, with their stylings and, you know, through some elements that they don't normally have in both those bands respectively too, with the sampling looping and um, intense drumming and, uh, and the like, well, Sepultura does, but you know what I mean? This is as far as like the drum machines and the, um, right. you know, kind of the blast beat stuff. So um, their first album is called Point Blank. There's a, a second album. It's live. It's called Proud to Commit Commercial Suicide. And, you know, that's really all it was, was just those two releases. But um, I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes. Definitely worth checking out if you like heavy stuff, if you like some of the old school industrial uh, elements too. It's just a, a real good time for me. It's just angry and, and fun at the same time. So that was my retrospective pick. For my next album that comes out, I would love to be a fly on the wall with Imogen Heap. And I talked to Monday at great length about that. And the, um, you know, the, gosh, Tony, you may have to help me with the album titles. I did. I tripped up on these yesterday too, but um, was it speak for yourself? That's the album that uh, broke yeah, that big with her. Like, yeah. Yeah. And then that's her second album. Ellipses was the next one. No, yeah. Speak for yourself. Yeah. 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 She had a first album and then the second one was very much a huge undertaking with glitch editing and stutters and oops, a lot of, uh, electronic production and and nuances and attention to detail. And Mm -hmm. while the next couple of albums after have been great, you could tell that how taxing that first album, that second album was. Uh, And so it became very much more streamlined. It still had those elements, but it wasn't as intense as as, um, that previous release. But nonetheless, great songwriter, great singer. And when I saw her live and you saw her live too, I don't know if she did this, but mm-hmm. she may have had trouble with pitches or made some mistakes, you know, she called herself out on it, but in a classy way, she wasn't, you know, self insulting and, and, you know, sulking over it. She just, you know, kind of right. played it off and, and kept going. I'd like to yeah. see how she does that in the studio. I'd like to see how, you know, she really approaches the song from the start, creating the initial idea to the finished mm-hmm. product. And I think it would just be really fascinating because at the core of it, she's a songwriter. Does it map out the entire arrangement? You know, is that the, is that the process? Then, then sprinkle the elements on top of it, or does it build as it goes along? You know, um, just really yeah. want to get in her mind and see how she unfolds the, the masterpieces, if you will. Yeah, that's a really great choice. Um, I, I, I don't know if it's from ellipses or sparks, but I have a DVD and uh, she bought her old house back that she grew up in. Yeah, and I remember recorded a bunch of that. sounds from the house. Yeah, um, but there's some there's something on there about the recording process. It wouldn't be the same as the Fly on the Wall and her next thing, but right, uh, you should check that out if you have if you haven't seen that, you should check that one out. I think I have. If I'm not mistaken, the room she recorded in was round. Am I yeah. not? Mm-hmm. Am I correct? At least there was a round hallway in the place too, or something. Yeah, so, yeah, there was something like know, that. Yeah. Very unique home. That's that's really really cool. Yeah, good Who choices. Was the first group Nail Bomb. Nail bomb, yes, sir. Yeah. Nail bomb. Yeah. And let me reiterate that this is why I loved doing the challenges with you guys because nail bomb, that has elements that I would definitely of people and bands that I love and I'd never heard of it. You know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it Same. feels like I should have, but I haven't but I will hear it now. Yeah. So. Yep, exactly. And you know, yep. what's what's crazy was we're here in twenty nineteen. Uh-huh. saying the, the phrase nail bomb has a different connotation than it did, you know, in the nineties when you're just like, Oh, it's the name of a band, you know, they just, they went with, right. you know, warfare <laughs> and weaponry and stuff like that for their titles. Cause it was metal and intense, but nowadays yeah. you have to proceed with caution. Absolutely. 
<laughs> you know, it's it's interesting because we're always you know curmudgeons about well, well we always had stores to go to and we bought imports and that's where we found our music but it's kind of cool because paul just said nail bomb and i'm gonna pop that into apple music in a little bit and see what i can find if i don't find it there I'll go to youtube so i can instantly right. hear what he just told us which no is, it's yeah it, it's one of the cool things about that's it cool. yep it is on apple music i was listening to it this week so sweet nice all right, all right. stevie you're up all right. Any guesses who it is? Rush. Uh, You're wrong. <laughs> All right. Smash your pumpkins. It is. Um, and this was, um, I mean, this is one of my all-time all favorite records. But I remember, you know, back at that time, digging into every, you know, I got subscriptions to magazines. And that's how you followed up on people. I mean, you didn't have access on the internet and all of that. So oh, yeah. you dug into whatever you could find. Uh, and even back then it was easy to find information about the making of Siamese dream. Mm -hmm. What a mess it was. And, you know, Billy had a nervous breakdown. Um, he wow. freaked out because, um, you know, Gish came out and they were, I mean, that was a hot album. Everybody loved it. They were going to be the next big thing. And then Nirvana hit and it was like, Oh, you know, and mm -hmm. Billy took that to heart because now suddenly they're, you know, redhead stepchild and um, yeah. he didn't deal with it well. Pressure. It took years <laughs> for him to talk about that, but, um, but he did. Um, mm -hmm. At that same time, Darcy and James broke up, you know, and then they had to move where they were recording because Jimmy, um, he was, it was very likely that he'd end up getting with somebody and doing drugs and then he wouldn't be able to record or whatever. So, yep crazy stuff going on and then it came out you know that billy had recorded all the guitar parts didn't trust the bandmates with his vision and so he did it all on his own butch vig mm -hmm. um he i think he's super proud that he did that record but i think at the time he was over it <laughs> because of <laughs> mapping billy's guitars yeah. I guess was a complete nightmare for him because there were so many layers and so many things that he was doing and it was just insane. Um, I think he was thrilled when they got through it, but um, I would have loved to have been there just to see that um, rather than just getting it through random interviews on X103 or Rolling Stone or Spin or whatever it is where we got our information. Yeah, uh, I mean, I felt like I got a lot of information back then, but... Uh, now I can't even imagine what we would have seen from that. <laughs> this yeah. is Sage Wisdom by JPP. Do nice. not date members of the band when you're working on an album. This has been Sage Wisdom with JPP. Nice. I like it. <laughs> Steve, I remember too going through like Walled Books or whatever mm -hmm. shop it was that carried magazines and like you might go through there four or five times in the month and then all of a sudden you notice the covers changed and Billy's on the front or Trent or Kurt or, you know what I mean? And it was right. But you're guaranteed to have like some little snippet in there. And, and, and like you said, get some information behind the scenes, what's going on. There was one magazine I used to get, I think it came out bi-monthly. Um, it was metal maniacs and it had all of the underground thrash guys. I learned about heathen. I learned about sacrifice, battery, bolt thrower, you name it, all the names that you don't hear popping on the hot nine and nine folks. Um, you know, all of that came through that magazine and their chief editor, Catherine Ludwig, um, 
she passed away a few years ago. Um, cancer sucks everybody, but, uh, I friended her on Facebook. Uh, when I found her, I just came across her profile and I messaged her and thanked her for her years with metal maniacs and how it turned me on to so much music that I would not have had a chance to even know about. And she kindly wrote back, of course, that was my duty. That's what I lived for was to talk about these bands that I enjoyed that nobody had a chance to know about. It wasn't fair that they didn't get the attention they deserved. And that was my mission. So I appreciate your, you know, attention and readership. That means a lot to me as well. So, you know, there was a reciprocation in that she was just as passionate about getting that information out there as I was receiving it. So you know, that's, that was cool. That is cool. Yeah. That was an undertaking back then. Yeah, absolutely. It was probably much better journalism than what we get today. I mean, all the clickbait and I hear Mm -hmm. something and I have to be the first on the internet. So I just get it out there. It doesn't matter what crap I write or if I even follow up and check and see if it's true. (laughs) Right. It's gotta be out there. I think that those magazines, there was a bit of code of honor um, with what they were writing. And I think, band members probably felt a little more comfortable, you know, being interviewed by them and, and sharing. Mm-hmm. So breaking news. Right. This just in GG Allen in a bathtub folks. <laughs> oh man. He was Sorry. crazy. Yeah. Uh, let's move on quick before we talk about GG Allen. Um, so Steve future albums, uh, future albums. I always, see the recording of this and i'm just like oh i wish i could be there i would love to be in the studio with the full orchestra as john williams conducts the score for star wars and they have that up in the background and you're getting it live as they're recording it i just can't imagine a more exhilarating experience uh than seeing that come together and happen no and it's kidding. not going to be able to happen too many more times, probably. I know they've got one more trilogy coming here with Knights of the Old Republic. I hope they go to John again, uh, just to keep it all seamless. Absolutely. Yeah. That's and that that setup is one that like you could be in the room and actually feel like you're like the moments being scored for you because you're listening to a score. But like, yeah. you know, watching a band. No offense, Paul. Watching a band put something together. You know, you're just like seeing them track the guitar. You know, over and over and over again, and then seeing the you know, but that whole, an orchestra together playing or or someone directing conducting something like that that'd be awesome. Yeah, and when I was in music school, you know, with the choral union, if you will, it was a bunch of people in a choir setting. It's kind of the same thing. I mean, we're all part of the ensemble, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, even accompanying a classical guitar in in pieces and things too. It's just fun because the conductor is kind of like the the brainchild, the vision behind the the final product. And you know, you you see the paper and you you play the notes, but they will guide you. It's like, no, you you, you employ the notes, but do something different with it you know like there's a little more feel there's a little more of something that's missing and you've got to deliver it and so it's a collaborative process even though it's already committed to paper and the music exists it's just a matter of you know kind of toying with it and creating that final vision so john playing with the dynamics like the flutes need to come down the strings need to come up or whatever the situation is i mean like he's creating that balance on you know x amount of people a large ensemble at that and getting them all to create in unison this final piece it's 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 also a fascinating process um you know much uh-huh. aside from the you know regular guitar bass drums singer um type of scenario so i completely yeah. agree right on um 
All right, I guess it's my turn then, too. Yep, that is you. Okay, a um, couple of quick notes, kind of tag on what you guys were saying. As far as, like, I, I would normally pick Pink Floyd, but I feel like um, the only experimental album that had a ton of commercial success, in my opinion, was uh, Dark Side of the Moon, and I've seen documentaries on that, so I kind of feel like some of that's out there, just like you said, Paul, with Metallica. Um, and then Bowie was another one I wanted to kind of pick, but... Mm-hmm. I honestly couldn't pick which album I would pick for Bowie because he changed so much. Um, yeah, Low so, would be a first one for me just because, you know, he was on the other side of the Berlin Wall and, um, you yeah. know, kind of really experimenting that time. I was back when Kraftwerk was still like a hippie folk band. <laughs> yeah, and that would probably be my choice if I was going to do it. But then, so then I thought, you know what, though, like speaking of Low and inspired so much stuff with Nine Inch Nails and like Steve it's hard to get away from your favorite band. And mm-hmm. so, uh, whereas I'd love to see the fragile cause that was all done in new Orleans. Um, the downward spiral, I think he didn't quite know how big nine channels was going to be at that point. So he was just kind of still blindly finding his way through and, and putting out what he thought was going to be best without any commercial people really on his neck um, mm-hmm. about it. But anyway, um, and I feel like it was super experimental for the time. I think we still hear layers of things going on in there and sounds. Uh, the fact that it was in the Sharon Tate mansion. I mean, if you were to be able to mm-hmm. kind of sit in there and see what kind of, you know, what is what is something like the uh, title track, the Darren Spiral sound like in a recording right. room in the, Sharon, <laughs> in the Sharon Tate mansion, or Piggy for that matter. Um, and then uh, some of the guests that kind of came through the doors. So, you know, I know there was speaking of magazines I used to read back then that Tori Amos would come through and hang out with them. They were friends at the time. And um, what's the guitarist Paul Adrian? Is it Blue or Blah? Uh, Adrian Blue, yes, sir. Yeah, so he played on the uh, intro track for Downward Spiral. Mm-hmm. I, I guess he just laid down a bunch of stuff and Trent cut it up. So anyway, that's, that's why. I would, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. So I would, I would just love to see what the process was, especially because the limitations were so great in consideration to today as far as like Mm -hmm. sample rate time and how you had to like record things so yeah there's uh it took a while for wave files to bounce and and render much like video and uh there's even destructive editing so once you cut something up there was no undo button because they didn't have the ram to hold all that information and oh yeah let's go back and fix that no problem so you know you had to commit but um No, that's that's super cool. And then plus two, he really hated the sound of conventional guitars at that time. So he tried to mangle it as much as he could just to make it more of a you know buzzsaw or you know yeah. kind of uh, flies coming out of your mouth type of sound, if you will, for lack of a better way to describe it. So yeah, no, that's it was it was very groundbreaking in its own right. Each you know downward spiral broken, you know even fixed with its reinterpretation, mm-hmm. downward spiral um, on always you know, sounded like nine inch nails, but had a new voice too. Yeah. He's just, he's a creative genius to me. It probably would be tedious. Cause I've seen some little clips online of him in the studio and there's like, he's hitting something with a hammer. Mm-hmm. He puts a little, he puts a little cloth over and he hits it with a hammer. And it's just, so yeah. it might be careful what you wish for. Cause I might be sitting there watching somebody hit a hammer for eight <laughs> hours. Right. But, nope. uh, Let's try my pants now. <laughs> <laughs> Give me your pants. no for sure sure that's that's that one and then as far as the future one goes so there's rumors of a reunion for this band um anybody want to guess what that is just on that clue uh fleetwood mac 
<laughs> no. Oh, you said rumors. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Boom. Nice. Oh, nice. I'm going to go with the Dead Milkmen. Oh, no. I love them. Yeah. <laughs> was that nice. Jello Biafra? What's that? That was Dead Kennedys. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yep. Jello Biafra. Um, so there's rumors of their uh, reunion. Um, Rage Against the Machine. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, there were some talks recently um, that they may reunite. And so I was thinking, you know, I, I don't know that I was plugged into the political world so much in the 90s when they were out. But now that I am, I feel like they would have a political voice I may not agree with. But nonetheless, they would have more of a place. It, it feels more divisive to me in this country now than it mm-hmm. in the 90s. And so it'd be interesting to see what they how they attack today's political climate. Yeah. Um, and also, but more importantly, because I honestly, we've talked about this before. We don't like when bands necessarily get political, but that was their whole thing. It's, so it's their thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's kind of, I don't think I, you're going to hear Zach do a ballad anytime soon, but, <laughs> um, but the main thing was, I feel like Tom Morello is our Jimi Hendrix in some ways of our, era Mm -hmm. like the guy that just takes a guitar and makes it do things that you can't imagine it would someone would do and um i was talking to somebody who went and saw him recently and and that was kind of what i came up with and then i watched a medley i don't know if you guys have seen the video online of him doing a medley of rage songs and then sergi from uh uh yeah system of a down i haven't watched it but i did see the the link scroll through my youtube suggested timeline he comes out and sings um, part of an audio slave song, which oh, is really nice. interesting. But the whole medley, you just you're just watching Tom play, and you're like, you understand why it was dynamic to have all of all of them together. Mm-hmm. But Zach could not have done that alone. None of those musicians could have done it alone. And then mm-hmm. you realize how important it was that Tom Morello was making those sounds on the guitar back then. Yeah, and you know what's funny is like that first album when it came out. He doesn't have a huge distortion sound, but it's heavy as hell. And it's all about how much conviction is behind each strike of the strings and, you know, each note that's being played in, in unison with the bass too. Um, the, the cover they did, the ghost of Tom Goad, is that, is it Tom Joad or Tom Goad? Joad. Yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, this is that that echo and and, uh, not echo, but the octave. Um, I saw them play that live when they were on tour with the Wu-Tang Clan and just absolutely floored me. It was the first time I heard it. And then when it came out on the release after I immediately picked it up and that was, that was a song that got repeat plays too, as well. Should have been on my challenge a couple weeks ago, but um, um, yeah, I mean, just a, you know, Basically, without Zach, it's a three-piece powerhouse band. You know, just those three uh-huh. guys make such a huge sound for a vocalist to lay down on top of. So um, there's a there's a lot to uh, you know salute for for that alone. So, uh-huh. do you remember? Last thing I'll say about them right now, but do you remember uh, the song "Year of the Boomerang" on the Higher Learning soundtrack? Yeah. Yeah. I I had forgotten about when I started uh, doing this part of the challenge. It reminded me of the Higher Learning soundtrack. Kind of went back and listened to some of that, and that had some really good people on there. I mean, Liz Fair, Ice Cube, Tori Amos, you know. But uh, but I really loved a uh, Year of the Boomerang. Sweet, that was a standout track. Now, if he can just keep away from dictating who's allowed to like his music, that would be. That would be a <laughs> yep. 
You know what? I think we can all agree. If there's anything to fight in the political spectrum, I mean, of course, everyone has their stance on their issues and I respect that, but how about these echo chambers that everyone gets sucked into, you know, where it's just like, it's this little pocket that everybody's just kind of stuck in and it becomes a community and then it turns into that bubble. And then this other bubble rivals this bubble. And, you know, it's like, good God, man, whatever happened to the, the melting pot, you know what I mean? So all right. Once, anyway, once Google figure, figures out what you yeah, like, yeah. that's all you see. I mean, when you put your search engine in and or type in whatever you want, you're going to see one side or the other. It's ice cream and French bulldogs here, man. Yeah. <laughs> and that <laughs> just Bing it. That's why I use Bing. <laughs> yeah, I don't get any political results. And I don't. Nothing is better than something. Yep. So, all right. all right, let's move on to the review. Album review. Album. Which album? It's untitled. It's the seventh studio album from Rammstein. And um, who wants to kick off? This is an interesting album. That it is. Um, I'll kick off since, if you don't mind, because sure. I, I did it. I, I don't know how you guys did it, but I'm not going track by track. I just no. had a few bullet. I just had a few bullet points. Um, yeah. But uh, so right up front, let me just say it's a mashup of like good bands that I love. When I hear the sounds, I hear different bands. You know, mm-hmm. I hear them, but I hear different, obviously different influences in there. It's just one of those things that never really clicks with me. Like I like it, but there's something there's something there I don't. And I don't know if that's a language barrier because sometimes that gets in the way. I'm a lyrics guy, so um, and there's st- stuff I love, even like uh, I feel like the voice sometimes has like a Leonard Cohen mixed with Simple Minds type feel. Yeah, totally. Um, which is good, you know. What's wrong with that? So, mm-hmm. so I can't really feel like um, this is totally off topic, but this week is the first week in my entire life I've ever liked yogurt, and I've tried yogurt since I was a kid, <laughs> and so I'm just kind of maybe waiting for my palate to change. I'll I'll keep listening to them as as long as they put stuff out, but. Um, <laughs> Um, the song "Sex." Did anybody else feel like that? That sounds exactly like "Personal Jesus" by Depeche Mode. <laughs> it does have that swanky yeah. swagger to it for sure. Okay. I, t- I told Mundy that you know I'm I'm sure that's going to be a stripper pole anthem somewhere. You know, I'm not that I've gone to a strip club or anything, but you know, it just definitely has that that vibe to it, and it's that it's that shuffle and that swing for sure. Oh, absolutely, yeah. But uh, yeah, try to listen to it again. See if it see if you can sing "Personal Jesus" to it because I was able to do that. <laughs> nice. Um, and then uh, um, I do feel like that this whole thing, like listening to it, taking myself away since I'm a lyrics guy, just into like a filmmaker standpoint. Mm-hmm. Almost every song is perfect for a soundtrack. It, they're good mm-hmm. songs. Um, and I do I did appreciate the variation. There was it wasn't just like a onslaught of X amount of songs that sounded the same. So yeah. All in all, I give it a good review, 3.5 out of 5, but I'm just waiting for it to click. So now I'm just kind of opening it up to you guys. I want to uh, hear your opinions here, which ones you guys like, and then I'll I'll give it another listen. Cool. Foggy, I'm going to let you take the run on the next round here. Sure. Um, I got the <laughs> – I, I like Tony. I, I like lyrics, and so – a little put off that I couldn't understand some of it. And then the voice in general kind of put me off a little bit, but I did look up some of the lyrics and translations. They're pretty brutal, kind of masochistic, a little strange. Mm-hmm. Um, these aren't the, uh, the boys next door. That's for sure. Okay. Um, <laughs> musically. I loved the music. 
Uh, I could listen to the music all day long. Um, the voice, for some reason, just as Tony said, didn't click. It just, I don't dig it at all. Um, and it's too bad because the music is so good. Uh, the song, and I hate that I can't even pronounce the stinking song titles. I'm going to sound like a moron. Uh, yeah. Dick. I like that one. No, <laughs> I don't even know how you say that that title. Zygdish. Dish. But it sounds, when I heard that, I thought, oh my God, this sounds like Ghost. Are they playing Year Zero? Because <laughs> they had that whole thing at the beginning. Uh, but again, love it musically. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And then uh, Weitweg, is that correct? Anywhere in there? Yeah, yeah, that sounds right. That song had a great groove. Um, yeah. Really got into that. Um, Deutschland and radio are definitely radio-friendly songs, really catchy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really did like those. Uh, Auslander was another one I thought um, really had a great sound to it. I just, I guess I should have probably gone and looked up all the translation of the lyrics, but... Um, I didn't dig in in that way. And so that probably hurt the album a little bit for me. Um, but yeah, I could have listened to it. Songs, the uh, lyrics or the vocals, uh, yeah. and probably just enjoyed it even more. So I would have give it probably a three out of five. Um, just the voice barrier really did it for me. And I know it's, they're so good technically and musically to say, Oh, they're kind of cheesy. There's something a little cheesy sometimes about the lyrics or about the vocals. Um, and I don't mean that in a mean way. Maybe that's their thing, but that's just what comes across to me. So, gotcha. Yeah. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to take a turn from both of y'all. So, you know, I talked with Mundy about this and he schooled me a little bit because I thought the album that had, uh, Oh, um, Gosh, you, you know the song I'm talking about, Du Hast. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, I thought that was the first album. That turns out to be the second. Um, huh. So that second album, I went back and listened to it a little bit after listening to this. And you know, it, if, if you've heard KMFDM, you've heard that album. I think it's called Sin Sucht. Um, but Du Hast, it's very robotic, stiff. I mean, there's drum machines and there's electronic elements that are real precise and precise and exacting. So it's quantized and the guitars are sinking to it pretty well. And his voice even there is more menacing, you know, do us and just real deep uh-huh. and dark, you know, which yeah. if you saw him live too, there's a guy on fire running across the stage. So, I mean, it was all just about <laughs> that angry delivery. And then uh-huh. you get, you get to this album. Now, admittedly, when I hear Armstein, I enjoy it, but I never really followed and listened to every single album. So I need to go through and check out the discography and check the evolution. But this album versus Sinsukt is breathable. It's organic. It has space and it has, you know, room and, and uh, presence. I mean, all these different adjectives I can give it because I mean, there's, you know, organic live drums. They're huge. The guitars are huge. Uh, the synthesizer, the you know, the loops and stuff like that, they're just real full and everything rests in the pockets nicely. I mean, you know, thankfully, to, you know, to mature, mature writing. And whoa, can you hear me? Oh, I can hear you now. Okay, but yeah, mature okay. writing. Um, you know, all of those elements uh, just really turned me on to this album. And, um, you know, the language barrier aside, I grew to really enjoy it. I looked at Till's voice more like an instrument with textures and timbre. I, I listened to Leibach a lot in 
the nineties with my industrial music fascination. They, you know, I believe they, they claim to be a Slovenian band. I don't know the legitimacy of their history, but a lot of German sounding elements in there too. And so I came to enjoy listening to music with foreign language because of that. So it didn't bother me as much. And I really liked the dramatic nature of what he was doing on this album. By the way, did either of you get a chance to see the video for Deutschland? No, I did not. You were both missing out because that you not. see that, you know, like Tony said, this album sounds like it would go good as soundtrack pieces brought me you know, dead on um, the undertaking of that production. Mm -hmm. It has to be a seven figure music video, to be honest with you. It's very intense. It's beautiful. Um, and just dark and crazy at the same time. I loved it. And radio is a really cool video too. <clears throat> but uh, yeah, so Deutschland and radio, two very solid uh, opening tracks. I felt like radio when I heard the riff. I wanted to hear Rob Zombie sing over it in White Zombie because that like that scream, the squealy guitar part and just the overall rhythm of it re reminded me of the '90s White Zombie era. But that's not a radio big, is as catchy as hell. Yeah, and that's the thing about Rammstein. Monday and I agreed. You know, like it's heavy, but it's got a pop element too that makes you want to bounce and kind of dance to it. I told him it was like industrial metal kind of an opera rock mixed mm -hmm. with euro pop and you know, they, all of those elements are kind of in there that mm -hmm. you know everybody can kind of enjoy auslander is one of my top favorites yeah. i really love that guitar groove and just the way it syncopates um and just the way he sings and it's kind of fun too he's like and you can kind of hear the rolling of the r's and everything's real articulate and that's what fascinated me too my wife loves um etymology so we always talk about word origins and languages and stuff so that that didn't bug mm -hmm. me sex who doesn't love sex but the riff is killer in that song it's huge and full mm -hmm. and there's some lyrics you can under understand sex come to me you know so you know hopefully that you know that's relatable in some fashion um, <laughs> um what is love i thought they were going to start kicking into the you know will ferrell and well, chris Catan bit but you know they floored me with yeah. a completely different turn great great song mm -hmm. um tattoo is another one of my favorites on here yeah, snare with it and yep, double time snare with that. It was just real intense, and uh, um, you know, even the album kind of closed in an, on a nice way too. Um, I wish we reviewed this album when I did the repeat repeat plays challenge because Sex, Auslander, Radio, Deutschland, Tattoo. I was listening to those repeatedly uh, for the past you know week. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna trump you guys with my uh, rating. I'm gonna say this is probably my album of the year so far. Um, mm -hmm. I'm gonna give it a 4.99. And uh, if they come around live, you know, on tour, I'm gonna go see it. Mm -hmm. I really want to see what they're doing with the pyro for for one, but um, just kind of see how they deliver these riffs and mm -hmm. stuff live too. It's uh, uh, you know, from from a songwriting and yeah. guitar playing standpoint, they're not breaking barriers and doing anything innovative but it's solid it's huge and it just hits me right in the right spot it was a sweet spot for me for sure yeah i mean and i can totally see that for you i i even thought mm -hmm. paul's gonna love this album and, and i mean and when you describe the genres when you're like it's a mix of this and this and mm -hmm. it's got you know that's where you know, there's like a, something good going on there. And no, there and like I didn't mean that. I say I want to do you better than you, no. but I'm just saying, like you know, so I, I saw it in a different perspective. Which you know, <laughs> hey, um, we're all allowed to have <laughs> our opinions a... with it and how it resp we respond to it. Yeah. And um, 
I'm just really, <laughs> what's funny is That's I funny. almost thought about getting a hold of one of my buddies who speaks fluent German to see if he could help me write the intro to today's show so I could speak it in German, but um, couldn't get a hold of him. And, uh, but I thought that would have been, you know, fun to kick it off that way. But uh, now I just want to learn German so I can sing to Rammstein effectively. <laughs> That's a great idea. All right. So that wraps up the review of the untitled uh, Rammstein album. Next week, we will be reviewing something else. Sting. <laughs> Morrissey covers. Who knows? Come back next week and find out. We don't even know at this point. That's right. <laughs> uh, but it's going to be fantastic. I can tell you that right now. Absolutely. All right. Before we get out of here today, let's find out um, any new and exciting things we're listening to this week. Teabags. Um, Kyle, my friend that I've talked about on here a few times, has sent me a couple of songs. They're called Fixer and In the Dollhouse by a song or a band called Luther. Hmm. Um, it's pretty good. It's It's got kind of a rock feel to it. Um, I did give myself my own like little challenge when I was working this week. I went back through all the three Nine Inch Nails releases that were the most recent releases and only played the songs that I didn't like immediately have rise up to the top. So I kind of made a playlist out of all the, I took all of my top songs out and gave those all their due and I'm, and I'm liking a lot of them actually. And then uh trickster process uh, by the kidney thieves old album trickster that I love. Um, that's on, I found that on Spotify. Um, spent all day today working to New Orleans jazz, which was fantastic. Kind of wish mm-hmm. I was down in New Orleans. And then um, Love Me Less by Max, um, kind of a white rapper, R&B artist with some really cool funky videos. So, um, yeah, that's all I've been listening to. Cool. That's good Very stuff. Good. JPP, other than uh, listening to uh, Zygdick. <laughs> what else grabbed your attention <clears throat> all Rammstein all the time um no i was uh i listened to a lot of Rammstein for sure but nail bomb hit my playlist what's funny is um they actually hit my youtube rabbit hole that they came up in my feed of playing live at like the dynamo open air festival um i believe it was that's what it was back in the 90s and it turned me on to wanting to listen to the album again and if I can talk, gosh, I'm getting tired. Uh, it evidently you know, became my fly on the wall challenge answer as well, because as I was listening to it, I was like, man, yes, that, this would be so fascinating to hear and, and see. Um, also, Tony mentioned um, a couple of weeks ago, was it Billy Ellish, uh, yeah. Barry, a friend? Um, yeah. Yeah, so I listened to that. Watched the video. I don't know if you've seen the video, but it's really yeah. cool. <laughs> yeah, I, I love the way she like drops in the frame and she's in another spot and that kind of stuff. Just really good cinematography in that, and and yep. uh, um, just a fun tune in its own dark way. Um, so that was in my my playlist. Listened to some podcasts as well. I've been kind of catching up on Mark Maron. Haven't listened to him in a long time, and mm-hmm. it's kind of funny as I hear him talk to people and when he says ginseng like on one of his ads it's pretty funny he over embellishes it he sounds like my dad and so it's like oh wow you know That's not to cool. get all you know sappy but it's just kind of funny to hear you know kind of a, a curmudgeon person 
you know, on a podcast that reminds me of pops. So, um, you know, just hearing him having a good time with guests and stuff was fun. And, uh, Monday recommended Jamie Justa podcast a while back. So I started giving that a listen and I'm enjoying it. It's, uh, you know, some cool content out there and it's really cool to hear him talk about some of the behind the scenes aspects of the business that we don't get to really hear. You know, he talks about, you know, well, things were good because the label was getting money off of this band. So, you know, we were kind of riding the coattails of that and just kind of hearing the business strategy that you don't normally, um, you know, witness firsthand. So that's kind of fascinating as well. But uh, other than that, just um, grinding away, getting uh, ready for next episodes and all that good stuff. I'm hoping to have some uh, fun new content for us to, to toy with in the future as well. And, you know, as you guys know, I've been writing songs and putting them on the end of each episode. I've been busy and I need to get caught up on that as well. But um, I definitely plan on putting more new music out and little tidbits for listeners to, to close off each episode. And, you know, it's keeping me inspired and fired up. So I appreciate you guys putting up with me on the show and, and letting me do so. Absolutely. I love it. Love it, and uh, Jamie Jost is also is a really good interviewer. Um, yeah, he has a lot of great stuff to say, but he does a nice job of of getting you know really into conversations and pulling out some good stuff. I like listening to him too. He's good. Yeah, it's, it's not like he's next to a guy. Remember when you were in that band? <laughs> yeah, that was cool. You know, he's just <laughs> real casual. Hey, man, what's going on? You know, what'd you get at rallies? You know, just real, just down to earth, day to day conversation type stuff. So that's cool. <clears throat> Yeah, I hadn't listened to uh, a lot of podcasts recently either. Um, just been busy, and I, you know, my former job when I was the athletic director, I traveled a lot, so I had a lot of time to listen to podcasts. And I just, you know, now that I'm in office all the time, I don't have that much time. But I did listen to uh, uh, Joe Rogan this week. Um, mm-hmm. Always love listening to his conversations; they're always great. He always digs <laughs> yeah. deep, and uh, he too is a great conversationalist and uh yeah he, he knows how to ask the questions and yeah he's genuinely curious i think so it really shows on the show yeah and the beautiful thing about him is even if he disagrees he's still having a nice civil dialogue with the person and they're just both asking questions and uncovering perspective versus yeah. you know f you man exactly yeah he had ben shapiro on this one and uh he really hammered him on a couple of things for quite a while and um uh, but in a, like you said, in a great way, uh, mm-hmm. just trying to learn. Yep. Yeah. A lot of us could do more of that. Precisely. Uh-huh. Um, uh, I also, there was a few weeks ago, we got a new silver sun pickup song. Um, it doesn't matter why. And this week they dropped another one called freakazoid and both of them are solid efforts, uh, flow right from the other records. So I think this record's going to be pretty good. Pretty excited nice. about that. Um, this week, another small song dropped that, uh, kind of slid under the radar called unsainted. So I've only listened to that a hundred times, I think. Uh, and then when I got tired of listening to that, I played all out life and then played that again. So it was (laughs) nice. Um, yeah. And all out life is not on the album, but, um, if the album is any indication of from these two songs, um, I think it's going to be pretty special. So sweet. Pretty excited about that. Yeah, for sure. That's pretty much my week. Nice. Uh, nice. I want to just tag on to that real quick because you're listening to some new uh, stuff, some Slipknot. And, you know, I sent it to you guys, but Tool played two lives, two new songs live mm-hmm. on the mm-hmm. tour. And I've now cut myself off from that because I kind of got the taste I needed 
but it's still live recordings from the audience. And mm-hmm. since it's not coming out to like August 30th, I kind of want to like let that fade away a little bit in my memory and then hear it again when it comes out from precisely the version. Yeah. Yeah. And then the only other thing was I went to take some notes today and I haven't been on the podcast for a couple of weeks, uh, but this was from my notes last week. <laughs> so is that me next to um what's that roaster guy um yeah, jeff ross yeah is that jeffrey ross yeah that's hilarious yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so paul i'm painting you like i do those french women oh man it's about time i'll keep my shirt on though <laughs> okay <laughs> all righty that's all i got cool well i appreciate that thanks for the beautiful artwork you have to post that on the fb page okay fantastic all right well that wraps it up Another great episode. Next week, we'll be back with a challenge from Metalhead and a smaller challenge from JPP. We mm-hmm. will be reviewing an album. I don't know which one. It's going to be amazing. And uh, it is time to be played out by some awesome new JPP stylings. Hit it. Hit <laughs> it.